You're listening to Your Rights at Work with Chris and Ed. If you want to make a million more dollars over the course of your working lifetime, there is just one solution. You can join a union. That is according to a new paper in Cornell University's ILR Review. A couple of researchers uh, took a look at uh, the advantages of being part of a union over the course of career. One of them is Tom Van Hoovlin. He's at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. And Tom joins us now to tell us more. Welcome to Your Rights at Work, Tom. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on. $1.3 million. Um, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big premium for being in the union. Tell, tell us how you figured that out. Yeah, sure thing. So... Um, my co-author Zach Perlin and I, you know, we've we've read across different social science disciplines, economics, political science, sociology, and you know, there's a pretty broad consensus that being a member in a labor union is really good for you know your economic attainment. But you know, Zach made this really astute point that most folks are just looking at points in time, you know, looking at union members and non-union members today, or the short-term consequences of joining a union, um, sort of in a narrow band of time. But, you know, it seems like one of the big benefits of being a member of a union is this sort of longer sort of um, career benefit where you have stability, potential for upward economic attainment. And so we were curious, you know, does, if you, if you just sort of followed people over the course of their whole careers and just counted up the amount of money that they make sort of year after year until they get to sort of a normal retirement age, would you find a union premium that is kind of above and beyond what people typically find in a single point in time? And, and we act, and that's what we found. Um, so yeah, and, and if, if you'd like, I can go a little more detail the study or... Oh, we got lots of questions. Let me let me just make a comment, though. I don't know if you caught CBS uh, uh, Sunday morning show, um, uh, but uh, Plumbers Local 5, which is a, a plumbers uh, local here in D.C., was featured. At, uh, actually, Ted Koppel did the piece, a really, really good piece. And he went to visit. They have apprenticeship school. And he went to talk to some of the folks at the apprenticeship school at, at the plumbers. And these are plumbers, okay? <laughs> plumbers. And... He's talking to the, the the guys there, and and you know Ted says, "So how much do you make?" The guy makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year. He doesn't have one house, Tom. He's got two houses. And one of the interesting things is a lot of the, the a lot of these plumbers were talking about. They say, "Look, we get dirty." And in fact, Ted and and one of the guys he was talking to were both sitting on toilets while they were. I mean, they had their clothes on. Let me be clear, but they were you know, to show the kind of work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the guys were talking about, look, we do dirty work. You know, people don't respect us. Uh, they, they think that we do this because we can't do anything else. This is much more complicated than you think. And we get paid well. And I think this is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when one thing that our research shows, um, one thing that, you know, research across the social science disciplines show is that 
you know, unions are one of the most effective ways historically for, you know, workers who may not otherwise have a lot of um, power or say in, you know, in their firm and their company to, you know, collectively band together and demand a bigger bite out of the apple. And our research, other research shows that folks in unions and also folks who are in highly unionized industries, occupations, cities, and states tend to earn more money. Um, and, you know, I think that what our study shows is that if anything, most research on this topic has been a little um, conservative or um, has understated sort of the significant financial benefits that unions provide um, on their members. We're talking with Tom Van Hoovelen. He's with the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. He's one of the co-authors of a brand new report out. Uh, it's published in Cornell University's ILR Review. Um, Cornell, by the way, out of uh, Ed and I's home state, New York State, so shout out to them, uh, about uh, you make $1.3 million more over the course of your working lifetime if you are in a union. You're listening to Your Rights to Work here on WPFW. Ed Smith, I know you've got a question uh, or possibly a comment. Tom, first of all, thanks for being on the show and uh, enlightening our audience with uh, numbers that do not surprise me. Um, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is you're just talking about salary, right? You're and overtime and things like that. We don't even, not even getting into the issue of retirement plans and healthcare plans. Uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, have been near and dear to people's hearts were retirement programs that have, you know, gone the way of the dodo in some respects. But there are still a lot of union members that still have retirement plans not tied to 401k and not tied to the market that has got to up the amount from 1.3 you might even double it because uh, some people don't get health insurance in non-union jobs most union jobs most if not all get health insurance uh, any have are you aware of any studies that kind of combine all the all the benefits uh, together in terms of like a total compensation package uh, and then one other thing is $200 extra a week right now is the, is what people get in a union environment as opposed to a non-union environment on average. Yeah, that, Ed, that is such a good question. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not aware of anybody who sort of go, who, who puts together sort of the entire package of the benefits of a union. But, you know, if you cobble together different studies, you know, um, yeah, you know, if, if um, you know, there's great evidence out there that shows that union members um, are and have been more likely to have a variety of fringe benefits. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, union members are more likely to have, um, you know, good retirement um, packages and have good pension programs. Um, you know, you're right. We didn't look at that in our study. So if anything, our study says, you know, if you spend the for these men that we studied, um, uh, if you spend the entirety of your career in a union, you know, you'll probably have an extra million dollars in your pocket. But we also do know that these men will also more likely have generous retirement benefits. Um, they will probably have spent more of their lives with some kind of health insurance because we know that's something that unions do. Our study also shows that these men were likely to retire earlier. So you're more able to transition into this next phase of your life and actually enjoy things like, um, you know, the retirement benefits that you've been um, that, that, you know, to, so you can enjoy this next stage of your life. So it's, it, 
it's been a very, it was a very good and powerful institution for America's middle and working class. And that it, I think that our research really highlights the significant, um, you know, the significant loss that we've had with the decline of private sector unions in the United States from about one out of every four private sector worker in the 1970s to about only 6% today. Um, I think that our, our findings and also the different points that you raise, you know, it really highlights, you know, that this other, this, this path of upward economic attainment, um, you know, has, was really valuable for building America's middle class. And, you know, it's been a real loss to see these, um, to see union uh, membership decline in recent decades. Yeah, Tom, um, one of the things that a lot of people say uh, is, oh yeah, unions were good back in the day, but we don't need them now. And I think your study really makes it clear that, uh, yeah, it's ongoing. Um, one other follow-up question. Uh, when you looked at the wages, did that include the, the full salary? Was that like a base salary? Um, did that include like overtime, uh, any shift differentials, things like that? Yeah, yeah. So we looked at um, the total labor earnings for an individual in, um, that they, that they um, had for in, in every year of employment. And the data that we used is called the um, Panel Study of Income Dynamics, and it's widely considered to be the sort of gold standard longitudinal data set. Um, it started in the late 1960s and it interviewed um, a couple thousand individuals and then came back to them again year after year after year through the present day. And a bunch of scholars have compared sort of earnings information from this data set to sort of um, administrative government data sets, and um, the two match up really closely. So if you want to study people over time and you want to study sort of the returns of different social institutions like union membership to a person's sort of career level earnings, like the PSID, the Panel Study of Income Dynamics, this is the place that you want to look. So one of the things, Tom, when I was looking at uh, the write-up on this was because uh, I Ed's much better at the numbers. I'm a writing guy and numbers kind of tend to, to freak me out a bit. But um, so workers who are never in a union uh, are projected to earn about 2.1 million over their careers. People who were in unions for their whole careers, 3.4. That's where you get the 1.3 million premium. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going a little bit different direction. I was uh, EPI, uh, uh, Economic Policy Institute, uh, released their annual CEO pay. Uh, I think it was last week, and no surprise uh, to you, I'm sure, CEO pay way, way up. I, I, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but it's, you know, once again, at historic highs in terms of percentage. I think they got like an 11% increase on average last year, just huge, huge numbers. And of course, one of the things I always wonder is like, where does that money come from? I'm starting to see where it came from, right? If you've got 1.3 million difference between people who are in unions and people who aren't in unions, and fewer and fewer people are in unions, uh, you know, it's becoming clear where that money is going. Um, and, I, you know, that, not to be reductive, but, you know, it's got to go somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there, you know, and, and folks have shown that much of the economic growth since the 1980s has gone to the highest um, income earners. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the case before the 80s. You know, there are other studies that have shown that sort of if you're looking inside firms and inside particular industries, places with more unions um, see less of the takeoff of top managerial pay. So, you know, unions were actually a really important, have been a really important check of sort of this kind of takeoff of 
you know, top managerial, top CEO pay sort of in, in the places where unions have been strong. Yeah. Well, and that's why you, that's why you see the Schultzes and the uh, Bazons of this world. Uh, it's based on, uh, you know, pure selfishness. I mean, it's their bottom line in the end that gets damaged if there's a unionization. Um, and they, they don't want to admit that, but that's really the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to before we wrap up um, the, the the college degree thing. And people have always talked about, hey, you know, go to college and there's this whole college premium. But your study uncovered, again, not not anything I think that surprises Ed and I, but I think the numbers are pretty significant. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to, to be able to study um, the career long returns um, for union membership, you need to be able, you need to focus on folks who um, um, sort of are at, um, at the end of their working careers and are entering into retirement. So we studied folk, um, men who were born maybe in the 1940s through the early 1950s. Um, and for this group of men, we found that spending your entire career in a labor union had, you know, as much or more of an economic payoff as the as the um, college premium for um, for the men in these cohort in this cohort, we also found that this union premium for was larger for men without a college degree. So you know, um, for the way that I think about it is that for this cohort of men that we focused on, there were these two good options for similar amounts of economic payoff. You could go to college or you could find a unionized career. Um, and I think that that really sort of underscores the um, economic importance of labor unions. Um, and, you know, I also think that if, if these days, if, you know, the college premium collapsed, um, would, went away, went away for a large majority, for a large percentage of Americans, they, um, you know, alarm bells would be sounding, you know, like there would be, it would be front page news on the Washington Post, New York Times. But that's kind of what's happened over the last half century with the decline of private sector unions, right? We've like many people have lost this alternative pathway for, you know, a good um, economic lifestyle. No, and I think that that, and this is a whole other show, but that explains a lot of the political ramifications. A lot of folks who have turned to the right and to Trump, uh, you know, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of working class resentment, you know, and frankly, from my point of view, very well placed. Where they go with it, not not necessarily so comfortable with it, but I think you're right. When you look at, you know, that you could have a good, well-paying you know, job where you've got job security and you've got a voice on the job um, and you didn't have to have a, a, a college degree or sometimes even high school, you know, and, you know, and, and now those are, are few and far between. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a big, big change. Tom Van Heuvelin, it's a, it's a terrific study. You have to give people the, t- the official title is the cumulative advantage of a unionized career for lifetime earnings. We will put a, a link to that study uh, when we put out the podcast version of this show. Uh, but Tom, great study. Uh, congratulations to you and your, your fellow researcher. Really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Keep up the great work. All right. Take care. Tom Van Heuvelen, the uh, the study is the cumulative advantage of a unionized career for a lifetime earnings one point three million dollars. And you know, I was thinking for your for your nurses, uh, that that's probably got some resonance for you as well, right? Well, you know, I think about this. I've been with DCNA for twenty years. I've negotiated about 
eight contracts over at Howard University Hospital. And I think about what the earnings were back in 2001, which is not so long ago, 2002, I should say, which is not so long ago. And I would say they're probably making at least two to two and a half times as much now on an, on an annual basis than they were uh, back in 2002. And that's due to collective bargaining. Um, you know, it's simple as that. Um, and, uh, you know, nurses uh, have gone from the 70s and 80s of a very disrespected profession uh, to a clearly respected profession. And um, a, a big part of that is the money. I, I, I will say this. I was just in a meeting yesterday uh, with our national and Michigan nurses uh, had gotten a proposal in one of their larger bargaining units management was looking to give them a huge first year raise of somewhere between 10 and 20%. And the union said, we're going to give it to our members, but we reject it. Not because we're not happy with the money, but you're not dealing with the workplace issues, dealing with staffing and patient care. And the members rejected it. Hmm. So money's important. No one ever is going to say it's not, but there is some real, uh, there's a, a stand that nurses are taking saying we're not just in it for the money. We got to make sure we take care of our patients, protect ourselves and our patients, and we need working conditions that are um, strong. And I think overall, if the unions do that, you'll start seeing much more people getting involved in unions. And that's why, you know, me and you have reported on it. The NLRB has seen a 50, a, a huge increase. I think it's 55% increase of people looking for union uh, elections. So, um, but a great, very interesting um, study. Uh, I'd like to see some other studies that talk about some of those other issues, uh, the other benefits. Oh, I'm sure we will. Hey, uh, we've got just a couple more minutes. Just want to remind folks, and Ed will give you the numbers in just a second. But again, uh, we're in, in fact, uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, Mike or Kalia who's still uh, engineering. But if you can queue up uh, Working Man Blues, we're gonna we're gonna go out a little bit early, probably about thirty seconds early, and and uh, and roll that again uh, for Sister uh, to Property. Um, but I did want to hit a couple of quick headlines, quick news headlines. We normally do them at the top, uh, but I want to squeeze them in here at the end. And uh, first of all, a uh, story we covered the, uh, I think it was an 18 day, I could be wrong on that, but uh, Philadelphia Art Museum staffers uh, struck, I think for two weeks, um, and they got their first contract. They got pretty much everything they wanted. So huge You're shout right. out. Yeah. Huge shout out to them. Congratulations. And uh, I'm happy because I can now go back to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. I have friends that I <laughs> often visit there and and we were up there uh, yes. for a convention and uh, up there for a big rally. I saw you right up there with the big <laughs> Yes, I was. I was. Down the steps, trying to stay cool. Um, <laughs> that's great news. Great news. Very, very good news. A uh, couple of other real quick things. These are just some interesting stories. Uh, I'll just give you some headlines. Due to labor shortages and aging demographics in Japan, senior citizens are encouraged to remain working. Okay, then, whatever. I'm just going to I'm just going to leave that out there uh, to attract and retain workers amidst labor shortages. Some U.S. companies are relaxing dress code requirements. Amen. I am all for that. As Ed and I sit here in our T-shirts on the radio, we're 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 down with that um, in warehouses. Robot technologies are causing increases in workplace injuries to human workers. I think I saw the movie about this, didn't you, Ed? Yes. And, you know, there's a comic and I. Damn, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyway, he does a really funny bit on 
if he was, he, he hates uh, going into the supermarket and going to this self-checkout. He said, when did I become an employee? <laughs> he said, you know what I'm going to do next time? I'm going to go through and act like I scan the items and I'm just going to take them out. <laughs> and if well, they call if they call me on it, I'm going to say, well, what the hell? You can't fire me. I don't work for you. We're not saying you should do that, people. This is a public service. That's it for this podcast edition of Your Rights at Work, produced by me and engineered by Mike Vesella. Broadcast on WPFW 89.3 FM. We are a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Nothing.